Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. So the, our subject is the key to understanding the Bible. And I'll start with a, a question. Why are you here or, or why are you listening to this podcast? Perhaps you want to read the Bible, but you're not sure how to get started. Perhaps you're uncertain about how to read the Bible. Maybe you're not getting enough Bible study in your own church. Maybe you've opened your Bible and you've gone to the contents page and you've seen that there's 66 books and perhaps that's a bit daunting. How do you get started? Maybe you've searched on the internet and you've come across the millions of pages and maybe you've spent a bit of time looking at some of them and you'll have noticed that the different articles that you may come across begin to contradict one another. Uh, different people have different interpretations and how do you know which one to trust? Well, of course, that brings uh, on to our second question. Uh, why would you listen to me then? Uh, I'm just another voice in the crowd. How do you know what I'm saying is correct? And of course, you don't. You don't know what I'm saying is correct. And that brings us to our simple answer to the title, The Key to Understanding the Bible. The key is that you need to read the Bible for yourself. And I suppose that's one of the things which separates Christadelphians from many other Christian groups. Not, not all, Christ, all other Christian groups, but many of them. Um, we don't have any leaders or earthly authorities because we believe the Bible is the true word of God. That is the only thing which can be trusted. And so you should check everything that I'm saying today uh, against the Bible and we will be going through the passages and I'd encourage you to look them up and to check what I am saying. Uh, hopefully what I am saying is from the Bible and it is what the Bible teaches, uh, but I am only human and I do make mistakes. So you need to read the Bible for yourself. But how do you start? Well, uh, a reading planner is a, is a good way. The Christadelphians have a reading planner which covers the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice per year. But there's many others available. Lighter ones, for example, which cover a single chapter per day. Um, around Christmas time, we give out single sheet calendars and these have a reading to um, a Bible reading uh, each day of the year. Maybe you've tried that, but you're finding it hard to get your head around what is being said. So today, uh, I'd like to um, I'd like to use three practical examples uh, to try and help you get started reading the Bible. And even if you are an experienced Bible reader, these are three things you can use in your own uh, your own Bible study and. Um, may help you to help help enhance your understanding uh, of God's message. So the three things I'll broadly categorise them, and then we'll go them go into detail on them as we go through our talk. Uh, we're going to think about a set of questions which you can ask yourself whilst reading. We're going to look at how the Bible uh, interprets itself. And we're going to look at something known as Bible Echoes. But before we do, I'd just like to put to bed one perhaps common misconception um, is that you don't need to be an academic or an intellectual or someone super smart to read and under the, understand the Bible. 
Jesus, the Son of God, was surrounded by uh, 12 disciples who were ordinary people. They were fishermen, they were tax collectors. Um, these were not intellectuals. And more often than not, in the time of Jesus, we find that it's the people who are, you would consider the smart people, uh, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, etc. These were the people who were in the wrong. And it's the people from the humble backgrounds, the, the non-intellectuals, who were, who were the ones which had the true message. So um, the Bible really is open to anyone. So our first, our first uh, example um, is to come up with a, a set of questions which you can ask or you can think about when you're reading through a passages. Uh, through a passage, we'll look at uh, a simple example today. But over time, you can build up uh, your own list. These are, I would suggest, these are kind of equivalent to the things you might have done in school in English, where you're told to ask who, what, why, where, when, how. Um, but perhaps a little bit more focused. So the three things I'm going to suggest, the three questions you ask yourself um, are, who is speaking? Secondly, on whose authority are they speaking? And by that I mean, are they speaking on behalf of God or on behalf of themselves or of mankind? And thirdly, who are they speaking to or who's the verse speaking to? So let's take, if, you, if you're still in John chapter 7, uh, which we took as our opening reading, uh, let's just apply these three questions to this chapter. So who is speaking in John chapter 7? Well, I partly, I partly chose this as our introductory reading because there's a lot of different people speaking. We have Jesus, we've got Jesus' brothers, we've got the crowds, we've got the temple guards, we've got the chief priests and the Pharisees, and we've got Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee who was, uh, who was beginning to believe in Jesus. Under whose authority were they speaking? Well, this differs throughout this chapter, depending on who's speaking. Verse 16, for example, we have Jesus speaking. He says, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. And that's, a, that's another reason I chose this chapter. It's a very good example there, isn't it? Jesus is clearly speaking on behalf of God here. Uh, Jesus' teaching is purely from God. On the other hand, a few verses back, back in verse 12, we have the crowd speaking. And they say in verse 12, sorry, some of them say he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. The crowds, they are unsure about who's speaking at this time. They're, they debate. They are unclear. Verse 6, earlier on, we have Jesus', uh, Jesus brothers, and they're clearly speaking on their own behalf because they're trying to get Jesus to do something which Jesus knows. Remember, Jesus speaking on behalf of God they are, they are speaking on behalf of themselves and Jesus knows that what they're saying is not what God wants. He says in verse 6, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that what it does is evil. 
So we could go through the, the rest of this chapter, picking out different characters and the things they're speaking. But what we're, do, what we're doing here is we're building up based on what they're saying and how, it's, how, it's, um, how it compares to what Jesus is saying. The chief priests and the Pharisees at the end of the chapter, they're clearly speaking on their own, on, on their own behalf. And they accuse the temple guards of being deceived, deceived by the man who's speaking on God's authority. And it's only Nicodemus there in verse uh, 50 of this chapter that, uh, although a Pharisee, he's coming round to uh, believing in God, uh, uh, believing in Jesus. And uh, we, we were introduced to him in John chapter 3, and we know by the end of John's gospel that uh, Nicodemus is fully in Jesus' camp. And he disagrees with the Pharisees here. He wants to hear more about this man who's speaking on behalf of God. So our third question there, to whom, are the, who's, who, to whom is this chapter speaking? And it's quite simple here. Uh, this chapter here is Jesus' words to the crowds, to his disciples and, of course, to us. He's telling us about who sent him, and what he's been sent to do. So by simply applying these little questions, it helps us build up the story in our mind. It, it perhaps helps give a bit of context. Um, and it, although we've picked a fairly simple chapter here, it may help with some passages where the characters aren't quite as obvious as they are here. Ones where, for example, in, in Proverbs, we have a, a, a female character which is uh, which represents wisdom. Um, other other chapters uh, are similar. So by thinking about these set of questions, and these are these are three I've suggested here, but there's plenty of others which you could ask and you could expand on this as you build up your Bible understanding. So our second our second. Um, our second way of looking into the Bible and, and finding out about it is uh, the idea that the Bible interprets itself or provides its own interpretation. And what I suggest this means is uh, that you need to keep an open mind whilst reading the Bible. Um, if you go in with your own preconceived ideas or perhaps misconceptions, then you can put your own thoughts onto what a passage means rather than letting the Bible tell you what God's message is. You can try, you can end up manipulating God's message by using your own uh, preconceptions. So let's look at a few verses just to show uh, an example um, of, of how the Bible interprets itself. Uh, we'll go first to, we're going to go to four passages um, starting in Matthew chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 6 we have Jesus speaking and the and his disciples ask uh, how they should pray. Uh, and Jesus tells them in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also been forgiven our debtors. But lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So that in the middle of that, we have your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So something here Jesus is telling us um, is going to happen on the earth. Now let's go back to the previous chapter, chapter 5. Uh, the same, this is the same discourse from Jesus and um, he's teaching on the, mount, on the mountain um, in, in Israel. It's often called the Sermon of the Mount, this, this chapter, uh, or these set of chapters. Um, verse 5 of Matthew 5, we're just dipping in here, says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Okay, so we have in, in the prayer, which Jesus tells us, he tells us, that God's will will be done on earth and that a kingdom will come. And here in verse 5 of Matthew 5, we hear that Jesus is telling us that the meek will inherit the earth. Okay, uh, let's keep that in the back of our minds and go back to Habakkuk chapter 2. So we're going to just about the end of the Old Testament. And into Habakkuk chapter 2. Verse 14 of this chapter says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, we have here that the glory of God will cover the earth. Um, if you were to ask yourselves, does the glory of God currently cover the earth? Well, I would suggest no. There's a lot of bad things happening in the world, isn't there? But we have here it being told that it will cover the earth. So although this, this chapter here was written um, probably around two and a half thousand years ago, um, we, can probably, we, we can say that this hasn't yet happened. Uh, and finally, in our in our Four, four verses we're looking up. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. So Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples as he is about to ascend into heaven. Verse 9 of this chapter says, uh, after, after he had said this, and that's talking about Jesus, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And while they were looking intently up, that's the disciples looking up, into the sky as he was going, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So we know from this verse here that Jesus is in heaven. And from our other three verses that we've looked at, we know that God's glory has got to cover the earth. We know that the meek are going to inherit the earth and that God's kingdom has to come. And if we put that with Jesus having to return, um, we can build up this picture that the kingdom of God will be on earth. Uh, and simply by picking out these four little verses, uh, 
we've let the Bible interpret itself and tell us this, um, which I would suggest seems very simple. But if you were to go out into the world or to the other churches, um, you may find them teaching that the kingdom of God is in heaven and that once we die, we go into heaven and that's where we will live for eternal life. But in these few minutes here, we've shown that that's not what the Bible says. And we can apply this to lots of different ideas in the Bible because it does interpret itself. Another example, we don't need to look up any of the verses here um, at the time, but you can you can look at this in your own time. Um, the feeding of the 5,000, uh, a miracle where uh, Jesus um, miraculously feeds uh, 5,000 people uh, using only uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. Um, this is told four times in the Bible by uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the four gospel writers. And these were all uh, different writers, who, some of whom were eyewitnesses. These all add their own little parts to the full picture which we get. So they all tell a basic story. But only Matthew tells us that it was 5,000 men and there was actually women and children on top of that. Uh, Mark expands on that by telling us that Jesus said Jesus had compassion on the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Luke tells us that it was at a place called Bethsaida. And John tells us that um, one of the disciples, Philip, said that, that eight months wages wouldn't feed everyone here. So each of these gospel writers has their own take on the story and they all add to the picture. They don't contradict one another, they all add to the overall picture and it helps the Bible um, tell the story and we can see that through many, many different uh, themes in the Bible and it fills in the blanks the more you read. So let's go on to our final, uh, our final idea which I called Bible Echoes. And these are, there's some relation here to our previous previous example, but they're maybe a little bit more subtle. Um, Bible echoes, you could also call them recurring, recurring themes that reveal the Bible message. So, like we did with the last one, let's, uh, let's have a look at, at an example. So, let's go back to Genesis chapter 12. And we're going to look at... Um, we're going to look at four books uh, here, a handful more references than we have done at the previous one. We'll look at a few in Genesis before we move on. So Genesis chapter 12, we have God speaking to a man called Abram, uh, or Abraham as you may know him. Uh, and God says to him, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And it's that little little snippet at the end there, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, that we'll pick up on as our Bible echo or, or recurring theme. Now, you don't need to go too far in Genesis before you find this again, chapter 18. God again speaks to Abraham in verse 18 and he says Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. 
Likewise, verse chapter 22 and verse 18. Or the tail end of verse 17 for connection. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So Abraham's told three times that all nations will be blessed through him. And three chapters on in chapter 26 we have the same thing being told to Abraham's son Isaac. Uh, verse 4 of Genesis chapter 26 I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all the lands and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements my commands my decrees and my laws and not just to his son is this told but to his grandson then two chapters on in chapter 28 so our last one in Genesis we'll be looking at. Genesis 28, verse 14, speaking to Jacob, who's the grandson of Abraham and the son of Isaac. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. So throughout the story, we've seen this phrase reoccur. Um, and as you go through reading the Bible, you'll see other places where this phrase occurs. Let's go to Psalm chapter, or to Psalm 72. So the psalm here is of, of David talking about Solomon. And it's talking about the world being transformed from its present evil state um, which is the time when God's kingdom will come but in verse 17 of Psalm 72 may his name endure forever may it continue as long as the sun all nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed and here we may think that this applies to Solomon um, which it does, but it also applies to somebody else. And we're told who this also applies to in Acts chapter 3. And it's no surprise we're going to see this phrase occurring again in Acts chapter 3. We have Peter here speaking to, speaking to a crowd of people. Uh, he says in verse 25 of Acts 3, And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. And we need to read the context of that chapter here to, to know who this is talking about, this servant which God raised up. But... You can read that for yourself and see that it's Jesus that it's talk that Peter's talking about. So these promises which were given to Abraham originally, passed down to Isaac, to Jacob, to David, to Solomon, have now come to Jesus. And Peter's telling us that it's through Jesus that these promises will be fulfilled. And it's through Jesus that all nations on earth will be blessed. 
And finally, Galatians chapter 3. One of the letters of Paul the Apostle. He again uses this phrase in verse 8. Well, actually, let's go, for, let's go to verse 6 for connection. Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that to those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And we could we we can we could read this the rest of this chapter. We don't have time today, though. But we can see how Paul expands on this. The people he's writing to, he's telling them that they can be blessed through these promises, and he can he tells us exactly how we can be involved. Verse sixteen, for example, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people but to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. And verse uh, 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So through all this, we've seen the promises to Abraham and how they will be blessed through him. We've seen that this will be fulfilled in Jesus. And through what Paul says here, he says that because this is a blessing through Jesus, if we associate ourselves with Jesus, then it doesn't matter who we are, whether we're Jew, Greek, slave, free, male, female, we can all come together under Jesus and be involved in these promises which God has given to those who serve him. So the the verses we've looked at here, they were originally spoken around 2000 BC, uh, written down by a man called Moses around 1500 BC. David then talks about them uh, around 1000 BC and uh, and around 30 AD we have Peter and Paul um, again talking about this. We've got people from many different backgrounds. We've got a wandering nomad, We've got leaders, kings, fishermen, Jewish scholars, many different backgrounds. But regardless of this, we have a consistent message, despite the hundreds or even thousands of years apart. And Jesus himself supported the idea of looking for echoes in other parts of the Bible. Uh, Our final final, uh, chapter we need to turn to today is Luke chapter 24. Jesus speaking after his resurrection and revealing um, to a couple of disciples, uh, or or to to all his disciples rather, um, what he's been saying to them. Verse 44, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Jesus there is telling us that things were written about Jesus before he was born he said he's telling them that if they were to go back to the law of Moses and read it and to go back to the prophets and uh, and to the Psalms then they'll find out about him and these these um, 
These recurring themes, these Bible echoes which we've looked at today are a way of revealing God's message. They're a way of revealing more about Jesus and a way of, of, of building our own understanding of the Bible. And many, many Bibles, uh, the one that we have at the back of, of this meeting room, for example, uh, have cross references to help you with these. They're written down the middle um, and they help um, take you to other parts of, of the Bible to help you put together these echoes or to build these recurring themes uh, and help your understanding. So in our in conclusion we've looked at a few simple tips today um, and of course help is available. Um, it's always helpful to speak to others but of course as we said at the start we need to check what other people are saying. Um, if we tell you something and you think ah, that's, that's not right challenge us and we can look in the Bible and, uh, and make sure that we all uh, that we all have, a, have the understanding which is, which is based on God's word rather than on man, man's understanding. And if you'd, if you'd like to, to know more, um, you can check out our website or follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram uh, and listen to our podcasts. We also have a, a distance learning course on there. Or, and of course, um, please come in here and meet us in Dundee or at another, a number of our other locations all around Scotland, the UK or in the rest of the world. But most of all, I'd encourage you to read the Bible for yourself.